okay. Okay. The gum? Yes. So I think I'm going to put the, the headphones in your ear because the gum. Oh, uh, okay. No, don't worry about no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. No, 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 no. I won't do it. I won't do it. I think that after all this time of you saying, no, 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 I'm just going to put the headphones in your ear and you can hear the gum and have a good time. And now you'll I'll just know. I'll just take the gum no, out. No, no. I'll take the gum then out. You'll put new gum in. No, I don't have any new gum on me. Where are you going to put the gum right now? Under your table. I'm Nikki Bond, and my absentee rock and roll dad has just recently come back into my life. So now I have to try and teach him how to be a father, because he has no clue. Okay, here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back, guys, to, whoa, dad, pay attention to me. That's where I'm at right now. Dad, hey, dad. Hello, pay attention to me. We went for brunch. This is where it's all coming from. We went for brunch, breakfast, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And I don't know if I'm traumatized by the story that he told me in the first episode where we went for lunch and he read his book the whole time when I was like three years old because he said that I didn't have much to say and I didn't really want to talk. And I'm like, no, I didn't know how to talk. And now going out for brunch with him, I might just be hyper aware of that because of that story, but he wasn't paying attention to me. We went out, we talked a minute, then he's staring around and then he got on his phone to talk to his girlfriend. And I was like, okay, listen, I, it's not her fault. He didn't mention that he was out for lunch with me. And yeah, I, I then got anxiety. I got insecure. I was like, oh my God, it's still happening. Has this been happening all the time. And I just didn't realize it. I mean, when I say all the time, the term is very loosely because we do not, nor have we seen each other all the time. Like, let's be real by that. I mean, has that happened three times? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, he still didn't pay attention. And I was like, Oh my God, after all that conversation, you still are getting distracted. And here's the other awkward thing that happens. You know, when you go on a date, and or even out with your friends and you don't want to pay the bill but you go for the wallet like everybody knows the wallet move you put your hand I do it with my dad like how fucked up is that because I don't want to pay the bill because I can't afford it and also you owe me and uh our relationship isn't strong enough or we aren't close enough for me to just sit there and be like, yeah, you'll get it. You're my parent. I know you like my mom. I know she's going to pay the bill. God love her. But my dad, it's still an awkward situation. It's like a fucking blind date. Like who is this bad? I'm not paying, but like also I have clearly resentment. You owe me, you owe child support. You pay my fucking bill. Anyways. So When this happens, when we have gone out for meals in the past, it's even, yeah, it's just an awkward situation. I go for, I go for the wallet. Then he takes out his, he pays, thank God. But this time (laughs) I went for the wallet and I went too prematurely because it's hard with Bobby because he does get distracted. So he, a bill will sometimes sit there for like 20 minutes and I can't, do anything about it. The waitress comes over three times and I can't go dad pay the bill because she doesn't understand that that's not a relationship that maybe I should be splitting the bill with him. I don't really understand how this dynamic is right now 
it's very uncomfortable. So he was off on a tangent. I got him talking finally by the end of the meal and the bill came and I went to go fake it out and take out my wallet. And then the waitress came and my dad doesn't even notice that she's there. Cause he's, I don't know, in Bobby land, doyoy, who knows, just talking, talking, talking about ghosts. And then it was so uncomfortable. And then I put my car down and then I had to pay the fucking bill. Oh my God. It's, it's, you know, it's a gamble because if you know that someone's going to pay the bill, especially someone like your parent, I will order nice things that I wouldn't order if it was by myself or with a friend. But when it's your parent, you're like, I'll order what I want. And now I need to be careful because that could happen again. So I fucking paid for lunch. And guys, I do not have the funds right now to be paying for lunch. Speaking of which, you can help me pay for my lunch (laughs) with my dad by going to patreon.com slash Nikki Bond. But listen, I'm not not a charity case. I just really am trying to guilt you guys into subscribing. But actually, I have a Patreon where different tiers. If you just want to support, I have dollar memberships, but what I'm going to, what I have been putting up on there are emails that we have sent to each other, um, that have changed our relationship. Bunch of uncut episodes are going to be up. Also just the raw footage of what's happening behind the scenes with Bobby. So all the extra perks will be on patreon.com slash Nikki Bond. Just as, as you know, I'm very uncomfortable pitching this. I also really, really, really want to hear any questions you guys have, whether it's for us, my dad, me, if it's about your relationship with your parent, anything that we can help answer be, we're, we're listening. We're open. Be interactive. Uh, have you been through this before? Do you have a parent that you haven't heard from? Are you a single parent and you feel like you're fucking up or you want some advice? Email us at wodadpodcast@gmail.com, And we'd love to hear from you. I say we, it's me here right now, but I will get them on a, I, I'll get them on a, little zoom call, FaceTime, whatever. And we'll, we'll talk about your questions on the pod. So moving on to the episode, here's the thing with my dad. I've mentioned this already, but to get stories out of him is impossible. He will often say like, go on a tangent and want to talk about his past, but the guy has a crazy, crazy, crazy career, crazy history. The man has lived. And I'm sure I've talked about this before. Who knows anymore? I'm so tired. What what have I talked about? Where am I right now? But he's played with Nancy Sinatra, Herbie Hancock. We talked about Jocko Pistorius last episode. I gave you a bit of a rundown about him. Um, He's played with The Who. He's played, he was with his band, The Arrows, which you guys don't know. He's played, oh, with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Like, my dad is a pro drummer, hence why I wasn't around. He then went on and played with uh, touring Broadway shows, Disney shows, Lion King. Anyways, just to give you a bit of of his resume, because he doesn't talk about it. He's a very modest guy. He doesn't want to be identified as that. Good thing he doesn't listen to the episodes because he'd be like, don't tell people that. But he's, he's, 
uh, he's played with some greats. And do I know this because he told me? No, I know it because I Googled him because I was like, there's things I don't know. So I fucking had to Google my dad. He has a really good uh, wiki page in uh, in Spanish. So I had to translate it to figure out his resume. With that being said, though, I really want to hear stories and I really want to know what his life was like as a musician. So I'm going to try and get that out of him on this episode. And this is also the first, no, not the first time, but this is, a, this is a, what, another morning episode. So just keep that in mind with my spaciness. Now I'm be- I am becoming Bobby. The more time I spend with him, the more I'm becoming him. And it's concerning me. For the record, he made a suggestion. You said, let's go for brunch. And then he said, make sure you tell on the podcast that I made a suggestion. Right. Yeah. That's good. Um, yesterday we went for brunch, went grocery shopping, and... We went down the aisles, mm-hmm. and we picked items and put them in the basket or the cart. Uh-huh. And, and then we went to, let me see, I got hummus. Yeah. And then I got paper towels. Uh-huh. And and you like paper towels. I got crackers. You got crackers. I don't, I don't particularly, I don't have a, a personal affinity to paper towels. It's a necessity. Yeah, I feel like the one thing that I've noticed about you is you have paper towels a lot. Like, I'm not sure what you're doing with them. Like, there's one right beside you right now. Right. What's that for? Um, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not conscious of having a lot of paper towels around me. But the fact is I have a condition which is really strange. Sometimes I'll just get into a sneezing. I'll sneeze like 10 times in a row. Or I, I have a propensity to, to spill things a little bit, so I have paper towels to wipe them. But actually... What's going on with the paper towels and why there are so many around me is I'll continue to get paper towels to do a task, but my brain doesn't register that there are paper towels everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then I go, I'll look and go, holy shit, there are a lot of paper towels everywhere. (laughs) Um. Do you, I feel like you're like saving the paper towels? Oh no 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 no! It's not it's not an OCD thing or anything like that. Okay, I uh, see. I'm I'm pretty slobby that I will leave stuff everywhere, and then Matt will be like, "Oh look at oh what's this doing here?" Right. Oh, that's right. a good place for that. So now I think I, I think sloppiness uh-huh. is a condition of uh, or a symptom of ADD. I don't agree with that. Because Matt is very neat and he has like ADHD. I think sloppiness, no, I well, do think that sloppiness is genetic because. I do not think it's genetic. I think it's genetic. Because there's a couple things that we have done, like, because I don't think that conditioning is a thing because my mom is very, very neat and organized and I am very slobby. And it wasn't until like, the first time that like I went and visited you in Florida, not when I was a kid, but when I was yeah, like, yeah, more yeah. of a early twenties, 
that I was like, oh my God, I got this from you. And it's not like I got it from you because I lived with you. Right. It was like just in my blood. No. Well. No, like I leave my shoes in the door and you leave your shoes in the door. What? Yeah. I, I leave my shoes at the door? In the doorway. Like you'll leave your shoes wherever you are. That's true. Yeah. And I do that too. I don't know. I, that's an interesting question. I do believe that sloppiness is a symptom of ADD, attention deficit disorder, meaning that you don't, you, you're, sl- you, let's say you, you take your clothes off and change, right? The, your brain is somewhere else and not conscious of that you've taken the clothes and you haven't folded them. It doesn't register, right? <clears throat> Every brain is different. Every human being is different. Okay. Every human being's reality is different. You love that. Huh? You love that. Love what? You love every human being's reality is different. Oh, it's true. It is true. And we also have selective memory. Oh, what else do? Is this a, are you teaching me a lesson? Is this a lesson day? No, we're just talking. No, I know. Yeah. What'd you just do? What'd you just do? I almost put my gum in uh-huh. the bag, but there's no bag there. <laughs> so Matt, my boyfriend took the this bag <sighs> away. That and he said, as he took the bag away, he said, "Now, Bobby, I'm going to take the bags away, the recycling bags. So don't throw your gum into nothing." And my dad just took his gum out of his mouth to put it in the bag. Yeah, but I just looked, there's, there's no bag there. So what are you going to do? I'm just. It's it's in it's in a holding pattern in my mouth. Are you uncomfortable with it in a holding pattern in your mouth? No. Is it because it's lost its flavor? Yeah. Does how how often do you change your Nicorettes? Oh my gosh, Nicorette gum chewing is is uh, like smoking. When I when I smoked, I would leave I would leave cigarettes still burning everywhere. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There was one. There was a hotel room in uh, Tempe, Arizona, where I burned so many counters that they were gonna sue me. For really? <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. No way! You would yeah, just leave I, them I, out I, of the ashtray? No. What What happened is, I'd be working on a track, uh-huh. and I'd light light a cigarette and yeah. smoke a couple puffs and put it on the counter next to my studio in in the hotel room and then I'd be working on a track and the, the cigarette would burn and and burn the counter or the chair oh my god especially chairs man forget about it and you never had to or like couches pay the hotels like well, I had to give them some bread yeah especially couches man cloth couches suck for me so anyway it's unconscious right it's not something I want to do. And I also believe that there's a very interesting, uh, as, you see, Nicorette gum used to be prescription. Really? You could only get it through a doctor, right? And then the movement of no smoking anywhere started gaining traction. Yeah. And as that was gaining traction, they made Nicorette gum so you can get it 
in a store without a prescription. Nicorette gum is as addictive as smoking. Yeah, I can tell because you how many how many packs do you go through a day? Do you go through a pack? Um, it varies. It's it's slowed down. I'm not chewing as much as I used to. Depends on what's going on. Okay. Here, I'm not chewing that much. Because you're so calm. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, yes, it's. I, I just haven't chewed that much. Okay. But how many would you chew? How many? How many gums would you chew a day? Gosh, depends. Like you always have a gum in your mouth, right? Unfortunately, yes. That's crazy. I know it sucks, man. Um, and there's so many people addicted to it. But you have it. You have addictions. That is an addiction. Yeah, and you have a few. Uh, name them. Uh, you're addicted to Diet Coke. Yes. Uh, S- Splenda. Splenda and Diet Coke have the same ingredient, the addictive ingredient. Right. Right. Um, Coffee Mate. Yeah. Uh, w- what I like about Coffee Mate is the texture it brings to a coffee. It you could get it, that texture with cream, no? No, 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 not necessarily. I'm in transition. I'm really trying to get rid of all this bullshit, right? I'm, I'm transitioning to uh, stevia, which is, uh, if you took a stevia plant and pulled a leaf and chewed it, it is so sweet. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get rid of all of it, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm, using stevia most of the time but adding a little bit of splenda because of that chemical my brain needs it it sucks um you're sober yes from alcohol yes not from weed uh currently that's fine yeah it's not a shame huh it's not a shaming sort a lot of, thing. of shame around all that stuff i won't even pick up my 30-year chip why because it's not i don't feel like I've, i'm I've been clean and sober because I smoke pot at night before I go to bed. Okay. I mean, I could get my 30-year chip because it's Alcoholics Anonymous and it's only dealing with alcohol. Uh-huh. I haven't had any alcohol in 30 years. But there, there are people that say, you know, I just don't feel comfortable with it. Okay. I don't feel honest. I would feel like a hypocrite. So you, when do you think that you... Like for my history, because I have a thing where Matt always makes fun of me. You're chewing into the mic. Um, Matt always makes fun of me because I'm always like scared I'm an alcoholic, even though I'm not an alcoholic at all. But I always like distance myself from if I'm if I'm not going out. Like I'm like I don't need a casual drink at home. Okay. I like make sure I don't do that. Uh huh. Um, because like there's alcoholism on your side and there's alcoholism on my mom's side. Really? Yeah, my grandma. Remember? Yeah. Was she al- I know. Yeah, she was, I, I know she alcohol- stopped when you were born, but she was alcoholic. She was like gonna die. Really? Yeah, you knew this. You I, and Grandma like bonded. It's fine if you don't remember. No, 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 no. Hold on. I, I knew she she was an alcoholic, or I knew she drank a lot. I know she quit, but I didn't know she was gonna die. Yeah, she was gonna die. Well, tell me about that. Um, all I know is that like the doctor had said to her, if you like. If you have another drink, you will die. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's a big alcoholic. Wow, okay. Um, so then with your alcoholism, do you think that it was just because like you're I think that like you were just partying because to be honest, my mom was like, Your dad wasn't 
bad. Like he got drunk, but he wouldn't like wake up and have a drink. Um, and when I asked you about that, you've kind, you're like kind of vague, but it just seems like you were out of control and you didn't want to be out of control. Right. So what made you like, when do you think that started happening? Were you like that when you met my mom? Pardon me? Were you like that when you met my mom? Well, <sighs> the first time I got sober was in 1982. 82. 82. I was in Los Angeles, living in Los Angeles. And uh, I was drinking in the morning. And I didn't like it. My wife was... You were drinking in the morning? Yeah, yeah. And at the time, there was a lot of ads about recovery, like, you know, going to Malibu recovery or whatever. And I just called AA and just went to a meeting. And it was really cool. The first meeting was really cool. So I was, and I went every day at 12 o'clock, the, the noon meeting. And I was sober for two years. And then I went to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I was just being hounded by this guitar player. Like, just have it. Just who was it? Huh? Who was it? I'm not going to mention his name. Okay. And I had a couple beers um, off of a bar off of Spadina. It's Spadina and, and Queen. Spadina and Queen. Horseshoe? Not to Horseshoe. It was further further west. Was right on Spadina. And I only had two beers. Okay. After two years, I'm not having a drink. And I go, oh, this is cool. I'm not that stoned. And I only had two. And I... So it's it's very very sneaky. Yeah. Very sneaky. And then and then what happened? And then you were just able to drink? I drank and I kept drinking and it kept getting worse and more and more and more and more. That and was 82. Right? Uh, no, 82. Yeah, sober for 2 years, so that was 84. 84 I started drinking again. And then you met my mom in 86, 85. 85. Yeah, 85. Okay. Yeah. And then But it was it was early 85 because I know we were it was winter time we were, you know because when I first saw your mom your mom had a black fur coat. Yeah. So it was it was cold. Yeah. So it was maybe January, February and our parent or both of our fathers had died like 4 months before, like within a couple of days of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was one story that you told me. What story did I tell you? You told me a story about you were at a dinner with Frank Sinatra. Oh, God. Yeah, that. Yeah, let me tell you something. I have so many memories. I call them cringes. Yeah. Right? It's a memory that makes you want to cringe. It's embarrassing, and there's a lot of shame around it. And I'm not ready to even talk about that with the Sinatras seriously but you already did talk it's a cool story I, I think it's, it's inspiring for people that do have drinking problems uh, I'll, I'll talk about the drinking problems but I won't talk about certain things that happened I don't think it's that bad it is in my brain like people have drinking stories where they like shit on a floor in front of people I know but here's the deal here's the deal there's a thing called the bottom, right? Yes. Okay. But my that. bottom was pretty high. In other words, it wasn't 
I wasn't on the living on the street, you know. But I think that that story has stuck with me out of one of the stories that I finally got out of you. My biggest thing with the eye-opening moment that I had where I like saw you as a human a bit more, not fully yet, was Steve Tyler's uh, autobiography mm-hmm. when I was in Thailand, when I was in Asia. Right. And I read it and then li- he talked about Liv and how he was like away from Liv for a long time and then like how they rekindled and all that kind of shit. And watching like seeing his point of view in his life and what he was living. Uh-huh made me then understand more what you were doing but then at the same time i don't know what your life was and then i find it really interesting i'm like i'm reading this guy's autobiography who i don't know Mm -hmm. and coming from somebody who has a musician father who like was distant Mm -hmm. then it made me like understand your brain a little more Mm -hmm. and kind of forgive a little bit or i'm curious that's the thing i'm like curious but in a healing sort of way so that story that you told me here's the deal i'll, I'll give you a quick great a quick deal on my brain okay uh, i can't talk about the, the, the certain things because i'm there's a lot of shame around it so i will talk about things that will i'm comfortable talking about this is the thing this is my biggest thing you you get to have these secrets. Oh, my God. Turn your phone off. Sorry. We're recording. You get to have these secrets because you got to have a life of your own. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, time to spill the juice, brah. Because you got to like live your life, have this all this experience, do all these things. And same with me from you like you don't know all the stuff that i went through we both have had separate experiences and it's what i think you don't understand is like all the shame that you feel and all these stories that you have Mm -hmm. there's tons of people out there that have written autobiographies and they are shameful as well and they are musicians and Mm -hmm. it's just people and and these autobiographies uh, for example Steve Tyler wrote it and it helped me so much. And because you've got to be isolated and you're on the road all the time and you get to keep to yourself what you want to, you get to share what you want to. I'm like, well, if you weren't on the road all the time, like all those things I would have seen. So I think that I'm just as much as you're like, it's shameful and I want to keep stuff to myself. I'm like, well, you get the privilege of keeping stuff to yourself because you got to have your own your own life and it's almost like you're keeping me from your faults or you're keeping the world from your faults when everyone has faults so you shouldn't be that ashamed by what they are and sharing your faults does help people i will share my faults but but there are certain things i won't share I'm moving on. You uh, have to sh- you at some point you have to share. Okay. Why you at some point my my point is like if you're going to teach me, okay, when when parents grow up with the kids, they'll tell you lessons that they learned. My mom has told me stuff like bad stuff that's happened to her in order for me to learn from it. Uh, okay. So you as a parent, mm-hmm. 
your job is to share some of your bad experiences that you learned from in order for me to learn. Okay. Okay. For example, your Frank Sinatra story, it, it it's kind of like sets a bar in a way. Like it's like, okay, I uh, got really drunk and I peed my pants because I laughed so much. Or like I did, what did I, like when I think about like times I got really drunk and I did something stupid. Ugh, like one time I went, David Spade was on the street and I was so drunk and I went up to him and I was like, David, you know my roommate. And he was like, what? Like, who are you? And I'm so embarrassed by that. Like I think of that fucking moment and it's so cringeworthy. That is a cringer right That's there. a cringer. Aren't they awful? They're awful. But when you share your cringers, it's like something that I can be like, you fucking went through it too, and it makes you feel more normal. Oh my god, no, yeah, yeah. And yours, yours is like a fucking cool story. That's a cringer. Uh, uh, it's not. Yeah, it's it's very di- it's very difficult to talk about that particular thing. I could talk a lot about other things in the same topic, but that particular one I would like to stay away from because it's still. It's not that. It's not that bad. In my brain, it is. Can I just say the point form of what it is? All you did was almost drop a wine bottle, right? Or a vodka bottle. Of wine. Oh of my wine. God. Yeah. Yeah. And then you caught it and you didn't even drop it. I know. But that's just like a drunken child moment. Like that's really not that bad. I know. I know. You could have got, you were around Frank Sinatra, Michael Jackson. You could have done way. You could have gone up to them and been like, hi guys. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm Bobby. And like no, done no, something no, no, crazy. No, no. Hold on. Michael Jackson, I wasn't hanging with Michael Jackson. I, he was just in the front row at, at Universal Theater. Oh, I thought that and he was backstage, at the you know, because it was the Sinatras, backstage there were all these stars, like Jimmy, just this star-studded thing, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, I wasn't hanging with Michael Jackson. Okay, he was there. Yeah, He was, when yeah. that happened. Yeah. So- like my face, like that's where I'm like, oh my Actually, god! Actually, that happened at Caesar's Palace in Vegas. Oh, the drop, the bottle the, drop, the almost bottle drop, yeah, almost bottle drop, yeah. Like that is not even that bad. I know, I know. But, but that's a great. But I'm just saying that's a great eye-opening moment. Like I actually like sharing that story. Of like, that's such a great story to be like. I was. The day that I realized I had a problem was when I was with Frank Sinatra and I almost dropped a bottle, but I caught it and I was like, whoa, I'm out of control. Mm. I just don't. That mine, mine's that, worse. There wasn't one thing that that uh, made me want to stop. It was I tried to stop and I couldn't. Another, and also, you kind of uh, play you, you have goals like, okay, I'm going to try to not drink today one day. Yeah. And then it, I would go one day and then I would drink the next day. And then I go, okay, I'm going to try to stop all day, not drink. But then I would end up drinking at night. When you drank at night, was it like, because now you're with your friends or were you at home? There was a time, I think it was 1978. Um, I was playing with Maynard's band, Maynard Ferguson, and Jocko was here mixing uh, Word of Mouth. Can album. you give a quick like? Uh, okay, to Jocko is. Uh, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a, a really stupid 
thing. Then I'm not really there's no there's no cringe around it, you okay. know. Um I got really drunk. Okay. You know, I was living in 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 the valley and I went to a club and came back and Jocko and I were hanging out. And Jocko is a bass player, Jocko Pistorius. Yeah. We were hanging out and uh I t- I told him, "Hey man, I'm going to go into the restaurant and break into the refrigerator. That's fun. And and steal some lobster. I love that. Okay. I put the lobster in my cymbal bag. (laughs) Okay. Okay. In my car. Drove home. Woke up the next day. Didn't know where I parked my car. Whoa. And so I drove it. I I finally found it, man. It It was like, where is it? Anyway, the lobster were was in that car for a few days. Oh my god! And and it was bad. It smelled bad. And you didn't even know the lobster was in that right that car. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that's one thing. But I do remember another thing that uh, I was doing a gig in Vin- Ventura. <clears throat> I was working at the baked potato at the time. Don Randy, uh, band called Quest. We did a gig in uh, Van Nuys. And I got so loaded and driving home, I should be dead. I mean, I was, you know, I would black out for a second and be headed for a cliff and wake Whoa. up. And, yeah. Just wake up in time to do the, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. And I'm really hard on myself. Um, I really hard on myself. So there's, it, it's it was bad. But that was in that was in early eighties. That was in eighty two ish because that's when you were living out here with Jaco. Yeah, Jaco wasn't living here. He was just rehearsing. Oh, with Weather Report. And then when right. you or mixing, yeah. So okay, so that was when, and then then you were in Toronto, and then you were like, okay, now I need to. Like all that started happening again. I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. Okay. A friend of my, I was living with Peter Mueller, who's a guitar player, and he went on tour. What he did was he went on tour a lot, and he would he would collect all these little bottles of liquor, right? And they were all he had a shelf all around his house. Now this is selective memory. I'm not sure about the details so he might hear this and go no that's not true but i was living in his basement and all these tiny you know you get on the plane he had them all just in such great order all around his living room on a shelf they were just from cope all over the world i think right and earl seymour came over and peter was on the road with Carl co- Seymour, yeah. the saxophone player? Yeah. Do you know who Tom Cochran is? Of course I know who Tom Cochran is, yeah. Did, he's the one that had that big hit. Yeah. Life is a highway. Yeah. yeah, that's that's who Peter was working with. So we're talking maybe a hundred little bottles just next to each other on this shelf all around his house. Anyway, Earl comes over, we get completely loaded. And we start drinking the little bottles, right? Yeah. 
and I fill them up with water. <laughs> right? So You fill them up with water after you drink them? Yeah, we're drinking them and we're laughing our asses off. And after they were empty, I would put water in them and put them back. <laughs> right? And what what happened was Peter called me a couple years later and go, there's water in all my bottles. <laughs> and, he, you know, he was he was half laughing at the time, but because it had been a while since I'd talking to him. But, yeah, that's that's a funny story that I'm not too ashamed of. See, these are the stories that like. These, you know what these are called in the AA program? Drunkologues. And they're really not. They don't really do anything other you know they're just stories there's a fun little memory i'm just saying that these stories like because i'm like very mischievous like i um broke into i love breaking into a kitchen it's my favorite thing to do when i'm drunk and that's what i'm saying is that like these these like i don't want to call it a life regret because like to you it's a life regret or it's like oh i shouldn't have done that but it's like Makes me be like, oh man, I do that too. Did I get that from you? That mischievous, like tricking stuff. Cause my mom is like very witty and quick. And I, I, I know I get that from her, but then like the mischievousness, now that you're telling me those stories, I'm like, I had done, I did exactly that. Like I broke into a fridge when I was <laughs> you drunk. Did really? Yeah. When I was drunk at camp and then I got locked in with my friend Johnny Walker. You got locked into the. I got locked in because it was a one-way freeze it was a right. freezer right so i'm wasted and i'm high with my friend johnny and we got we go in we got locked in and then i was like holy mackerel really yeah i was gonna say in holy the shit of the but night, you can what i can yeah we're the, puck, we, the last episode was me explaining you why not why you can't call me sexy like you're you can say holy shit you can swear on a podcast okay fuck 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 okay, fuck shit, shit, shit. <laughs> anyway wow what a you, rebel you we're, so, tell me the story. Go ahead. Well, I was just wasted, and then we really wanted night food, and then I went into the frit. We went into this like huge freezer to make food in the kitchen. We broke in the kitchen, and then we got locked in, and we went to leave, and we couldn't leave. And I was like, "This, this is how I'm going to die. This, and I'm locked in this freezer. It was cold. Is it f- was cold, wow. and it was summertime, so I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. Oh my gosh." Yeah. Wow. It was so scary. What happened? I just, I that's the thing. I don't really fully remember. But we were in there for like three minutes. It felt like an hour. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. And then we were like running up. We were each running up and like pushing on the door and like running up and jumping into it, trying to get it to open. And I forget how, I think someone walked by and heard us like doing it uh-huh. and then let us out. Wow. It was terrifying. Oh my gosh. But then I'm like, oh, I did the same thing. You're that gum? Like that is a Sorry. fresh piece. Okay, um, question. Yes. When you think about that, yeah. What's your emotion around that? Is it shame? Is it No, I just laughed. Okay. Those that that's these mistakes that your parents make and the stories that they tell, the more that you hear, the more you feel more normal. Ah, okay. So the more that we explore our relationship and the more that I talk to you, the more I'm like, oh, fuck, I got that from you, I got that from you, because I don't really know 
what I've what part of me is made up of you. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then so that story tells me a lot and it's eye opening to realize like, oh, I actually got that from you. And then the other part is that it helps other people. Right, right, right. The more that you can share your faults or your cringeworthy moments, as hard as it is for you, you're probably healing like twenty percent of the people. You don't have to I, I like. Think, I it. think drunk stories don't address the issue. I think they. It's a very. There are different. There are layers. But it makes it It's more, a very superficial conversation to just talk about drunk stories. You know what I mean? Well. It's more interesting to me to go. Why were you drinking, and what was the cause of that? I was drinking because I was twenty three and having a good no, time. I'm just, I'm, I'm just yeah. talking in generalities. I'm talking about helping people who are, you know. Yeah, I know, but I think that it's just like if someone dies, right? If someone dies, then you're going to be like, "This is really sad," but let's tell the funny stories and the stupid shit that they did. Like, I think that there's like a lightheartedness that you can put on whatever dark experience you had and like we don't have to like mourn the fact that like why are you drinking i mean i wasn't in the program so i really don't know but i'm just saying like in do you still have stories to still tell it's like still part of your t- lifeline your 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 life and your story itself i've said stories a thousand times see this is the thing my dad wants to pod in the morning and i'm like still waking up and not with it so we have to pod morning and night because i'm like what the fuck am i saying but i think and this is coming from a stand-up's point of view and my biggest thing with stand-up is i share my insecurities whatever i have gone through in hopes first of all it's therapeutic for me i'm able to laugh at it things that like when i was a kid i was so embarrassed by i now say on stage which is hard but liberating, but I hope to help other people. And I think that the shame that you have in your drunken, adventurous stories that you had when you were you were younger, you're not doing this at 65. People at 65 are still doing it. So 66. Like 66. <laughs> yeah, I, I will give you I will give you a characteristic of my personality. Now, I don't know anything about astrology. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you look up, I've got a I've read a description of Capricorns and I'm, I've got many traits of Capricorns and I'm a very internal person. Yes. I do not talk about a lot of stuff that's in my brain. I'm just don't, it's not part of my, it's not me to just come out with this, a lot of stuff. People have to pull it out of me. And I, and I'm a puller. I pull shit out of everybody. Right. And you got to be an introvert to the extent because you were on the road. No, 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 no. I was an introvert my whole life. Yeah, yeah. I do agree with that. But you got to like, okay, so if I'm feeling introverted, I know that I have to go out and I have to fucking, and I have to do stand up. You got to like sit in a booth, play your drums. Hi, hi, hi. Do your thing. Go back to your hotel room, watch TV. Right. If you had to, and- I feel like you, when I say this stuff, like I'm honestly not shaming you. I'm just explaining like what your life would have been like if you had to be around a child and not in a way of like, you weren't there just in the way of like, uh, I'm trying to think of musicians that I know who have kids. Um, but you would have to play your show, go in your world, be an introvert, come home. And then I would be an annoying 16 year old. That'd be like, fuck you. And then you would have to, 
deal with it. Deal with it and engage with me and like all mm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just saying you never. There was nothing that cracked you out of your introvertedness. Mm-hmm. You got to, no, you got to. You lived a life where it was heightened. You didn't have anything to like where you had to uh, crack it or act or like put it aside. And so your introvertedness is so tight right now. And I feel like as somebody who's like trying to get to know you, it's it's tough to crack. But I'm like, the goal is to crack it because I want to know more. Okay. And, you know, I genuinely want you to know more. You know what I mean? And I know you drink, and I, but I, I would never admonish you to be concerned about the drinking because it's a philosophy of life for me that to tell, to tell somebody, I'll, I'll give you an example. I would never say that a musical piece or a song sucks. Go, that song sucks. I, you know, that is stating a fact for everybody. That song sucks to me, but to somebody else who wrote it or who loves it. So there's, there's no judgment on that. I never felt judged. But I, I, I always thought that there was a possibility that you would become an alcoholic <laughs> and that path, I would, I wasn't going to impose my opinion on it. Like, you're drinking too much. Let's go to an AA meeting. This is a hypothetical. Let's yeah. say you were really. Dr- Let's say you you ended up drinking all day and it was affecting your job and yeah. all that stuff and you were losing shit. I would never admonish you to you know stop drinking. I would I would probably. I don't know what I would do actually. I pro you know. What would you do? That's a good question. What would you do? I feel like you're a bit torn because right now actually. This is the first time I've actually been posed that question because yeah. in AA, the 12th step is to help another alcoholic, right? Do you think I'm an alcoholic? Do I think you're an alcoholic? I have no idea. I don't even know where, where the line is. What is the, where is the line of being alcoholic or non-alcoholic? You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. Do you think that maybe you feel like what am I supposed to do? Because you could, in my head, I'm like, oh, it's that same theory of like to a stepdad, you're not my dad. Like you, I could totally retaliate. Not that I would, but I feel like in your head, there could be a fear of like, I can't really press her to admit she's an alcoholic or do anything about it because like, who am I to judge? Exactly. Yeah. But that's, I, I am torn. I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. Do you think that you would feel attached enough to do anything? Pardon me? W- would you be like worried enough or attached enough to do anything? Because it's not like you're around me. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the difference between our relationship. That's where I can like see the difference between our relationship and another person's relation, like another father-daughter relationship. Is what? that like you weren't around me? So it's like, well, I don't know. Like the repercussion isn't there where it's like if it's a father, like um, there's some people's dads that are like are really, really, really in their lives. And they'd be like, we're going to do something about this, you know, right. It depends on the closeness. Right. And it's not just our situation. Like I know that 
other people like it's kind of I feel like this whole time you've had to back off with your opinion because you're like I can't really have an opinion I don't know I just know that I I don't know okay will you tell me one more um, fun story Uh, let me think let me think let me think I can't think of anything right now, but if okay. something comes up during this conversation, I'll break it off and tell you. Like if, uh, oh, oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is so gross. I won't even tell me. I can't tell. Tell me. Yes, tell you can. Me. You can't do that now. This is my biggest thing. You can't. You got to tell me. Let's move on. No, absolutely. I'm. I'm. This is my thing. I always let you off the hook, and I will not let you off the hook with this one. I honestly feel like there's so much I want to know. And then you go, okay, I don't want to talk about it. And I go, oh, okay, fine. And I'm putting my foot down because my goal is to not let you off the hook for you to feel great and safe when I have like a genuine curiosity for what you want to say. And I'm going to be disappointed if you don't tell All me. You, but the thing is, you want stories of, of stupid shit I did while Just I was Just right now. And I want, because it, ha- like then I can see like that fridge story I related to. The, the what? The lobster story, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so just, I just want to know, like, it's fun to, to know. And like, it gives me an insight into your past, into your personality, into who you were. You're not that anymore. Right. So like, it's not like I see you as that, but I didn't know you then. So I'd like to know. This is before you were born. Great. I was, uh, okay, I'll tell the story. Thank you. But I won't be specific. That's fine. Okay. I was playing with an artist. Great. It, in in a concert, okay, two thousand three thousand seats, okay, and part of the situation was I had a case of beer next to my drums, and, yeah, and it was okay with the artist, you know, yeah, because it was the seventies, and it was a two and a half hour concert. Whoa, no breaks. There was a break. There was a break, but it was the band. The break was the artist did a duet with the guitar player. Okay. So I'm drinking beer in front of 3,000 people. Are you in a pit or are you on stage? I'm on stage. Oh, shit. Okay. And I'm drinking and I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't talk about it. It's bad. You clearly pee or pooed your pants. And the fact that you're being bashful about... Shitting yourself on like no 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 okay go no <laughs> yes please this is such a good story please oh, oh please <laughs> serious wine factory here I know not, not wine as in drinking wine but like <laughs> I know please body language. Look yes, I'm like you're in oh a fetal position. You're in a fetal. You know, I feel like I'm pulling your teeth out. Why are you in a fetal position? Because I've introverted all my energy. Why with with disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm that's, disappoint- that's that's I'm disappointed. Manipulation, manipulation. Yeah, I'm a master manipulator. Manipulation, dad. Can can I daughter? Can we, can we play a hunt? Can I ask yes or no questions? Sure. Okay. Good. Did you have to pee or poo? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Did you have to pee? Yes. Do you have to poo? No. Did you pee in your pants? No. 
Did you pee in a cup? No. Did you pee on the stage? Nope. Did you take your dink out? Yes. Oh, fuck. Uh, did the audience see your, your dinky? I hope not. <laughs> did you pee on the stage? No. I have a, st- I have a story about peeing a, in a concert venue, so this is why I really want to get this, so I can tell my story. Okay. Um, you didn't pee on your stage. You took your D out. If you took your D out, you didn't pee on the stage. Did you turn around? No. You peed into the big drum? Nope. Empty bottle. Empty bottle. Yeah. Empty beer bottle. And you hope no one saw. Facing the audience. Yes. Okay. And then what happened? You drank it. You drank it. You thought it was beer and you drank it. That happened one time. (laughs) (laughs) I just remembered that. bottle on stage put it on the side grabbed another beer bottle and thinking it was the beer bottle it was full of in the middle of a concert it's pretty fucked what did you up. do did you spit it out i don't remember I think, no what i did was i grabbed the, the other beer and drank it down oh my god it wasn't it wasn't a lot it was like <laughs> oh my god yeah man to me you know what's crazy is i feel like i've been around drunk people so much like all my friends my guy friends drink that like you peeing in a bottle like and drinking it i'm like okay like it's not you know i know but the thing is first of all you're in a different generation and yeah. secondly this the comic culture no not comics my toronto guy friends oh yeah no uh, okay they, like big time right yeah yeah um okay so you peed in the bottle that's not that bad and then the other one ended up being the worst story that you drank it huh the other one ended up being the worst story that you drank it. yeah but that's a perfect example I forgot all about that. It was it was embedded in my brain somewhere, deep in my brain. Yeah. And then when you asked the question, it triggered the memory. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. and that was a different scenario when you drank the other bottle. What? The when you drank the beer bottle of pee, was that the same concert or was that a different concert? Well, this happened all the time. Oh. I drank all the time on stage. And then you peed in bottles all the time. No, I think I drank it only once. Oh. But you were just embarrassed for that one story you really didn't want to tell me because you were on stage in yeah, front of the audience yeah, and you peed yeah, in a beer. Yeah. You know what's crazy, though, is that like for you, you're embarrassed looking back. But for people in the audience, they, if they saw that, they'd be like, yo, look at that guy. He's peeing in a bottle. Yeah. Like, I would I would think that was so funny and great. The, the problem is, is this. Uh-huh. Alcohol affects your frontal lobe, which is your judgment, your discernment, okay? Uh-huh. And when you drink, your discernment is gone, and you don't know what's appropriate or not appropriate. So when, when you do stupid stuff, it's not me. It's not something I would do. It's, it's, it's the other side of me. Yeah, you have more. You have. So, so that's why I have a problem talking about those things. Well, yeah, I guess I don't for some reason. Like mine, mine was that I was at a Sam Roberts concert and I love Sam Roberts and I was in the front row and 
I knew if I left the front row, I wouldn't get back in the front row again. Uh-huh. And I really had to pee and I was wearing a skirt and I was drunk. And so I just pulled my underwear to the side and I peed on the ground. That's fucked up. <laughs> oh, see? You don't have you don't have any shame around that? I mean Good job. You do I stop talking cuz I hurt your face. Uh I don't think I mean I do I don't know if I I don't think I have shame around it because I'm like I don't know why I don't have shame around. I'll I know tell it's you bad. Why. I'll tell you why. Why? Because you're not as hard on yourself as I am on myself. Well, I think it's gross. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I can't believe I did that. But like. What's, I- a, what's a cringer for you? Give me a cringer where you're really like embarrassed about. Um, like a real cringer. Like the, the drinking on stage is a cringer for me. I. I'm trying to think of cringers. I feel like. Ooh. Ah, uh, what? Uh, I this is stuff I shouldn't say to my dad, but now now I'm not being a. Yeah, you can't be a hypocrite. It's Go a for sexual it. thing, though. I don't care. I just got blacked out a couple times, twice, mm-hmm. and I forgot I had a tampon in, and like, oh, I shouldn't. This is this go, is go for it. And the guy fingered me and was like, "There's a tampon in you." Those ones were bad. Did it hurt? No, <laughs> no, that's cringy. But I'm like over it now. I think I've gotten over a lot of. Wait them. a minute. When he fingered you, where did the tampon go? It was in there, and he's like, "You have a tampon in you," and I was like, "No, I don't." Um, and that I'm trying to think of other cringers. So when you think about that, do you go, oh, God, I can't believe I did that? Do you do yeah, that? but for some reason, I've kind of accepted myself that I can laugh at myself. And then I go, oh, God, I can't believe I did that. And then I'm like, uh, ha, ha. like, I like telling it because it's like so stupid and disgusting and like so blackout that I'm like, ah, I did it. You, you know, know something, Nicole? Yeah. It's a wonderful thing to be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah, you got to laugh at yourself. I, I don't. I can't. I, 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 instead of laughing, I judge myself. Yeah, you gotta, I think that, like, you still have the goofy, like, I have the goofy side you do, so I can, like, I, I don't know if you can laugh at yourself and be like, that was so dumb and gross. Like, that was cringy the next day. Like, that was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. Right. But now it's like, whatever. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, I'm going to have to brainstorm other cringy moments. But those ones are bad. You got to laugh at yourself. Other, why, why judge it still? You know, like why? You can judge yourself for all the things you did, but you also did a lot of good things and like laugh at yourself because even though it was your drunken state, you're still a bit of a doyoy that like... A doyoy? Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> a doyoy is like a ding dong, like a, like a bit of a uh, klutzy, stupid little pup you know you drop a lot of stuff you would do it sober anyways it's just that you did it drunk so you feel bad about it and also it's like you can't judge yourself at that age or where you were in that moment in time you were living a different life still with all the knowledge you have now mm -hmm. you didn't have that knowledge then so be like don't be so hard on yourself because you weren't 
you didn't know you didn't know as much as you know now yeah it's, you know it's just hard to change uh, you the way changed. you think the oh, way yeah. the, the, the way you think you know it's perspective though it's like that was a moment in time when i that was a moment in time that like Actually, a cringeworthy moment for me isn't a drunken moment. It's what I did as a kid mm-hmm. when I um, was playing in a pool with two of my friends, one Alexa and this, and I like really bullied someone, and that's cringeworthy to me. Like that is like. What, what, what do you mean you bullied someone? Um, well, I didn't know I was bullying, but this girl had like a buoy around her, like a lifeguard saving mm-hmm. thing, and there was a strap around her. Mm-hmm. And we held on to it to like f- have her float us along. And she was like, ah, and we thought that she was like having fun. But like what we were doing was bullying because we thought it was funny to like see her struggle. Oh. And like we kept doing it. And I talked to Alexa about this and she's like, I honestly think about that all the time. And I feel like I can't even think about it because I feel like it gives us like so much guilt and cringe. Right. And then we got brought to the uh, principal's office and she was there and she had like this burn around. Oh, she had this burn around her. And we, me and Alexa were like, what the fuck do we just do? But there was one instigator in our group. I won't say her name, but there was an instigator who was naturally a bully. And me and Alexa were kind of the pawns and we, we didn't know any different. Right. And so it was one of those things where like we were doing it because we thought it was funny and she's, we're doing it. We, Oh, haha, we're all, we're having fun together. And we actually thought me and Alexa were like, she seems okay. She's like, ah, we thought that she was like, ah, ha ha. And but she was in trouble. She was in trouble. So and the, that's a cringeworthy moment. Okay, so you're saying you're giving me oh, you shouldn't do that. You're not that way anymore and you should not have a cringe. So you have a cringe moment and it's reality for you and and uh, yeah. And for me to say, "Oh, just get over it. You were just drinking and Not had- not get over it, but be okay with telling it because you weren't that now. Like that that makes me seem like such a bad person. My difference is I was sober. Like I was a kid. How old were you? I was in I was in grade three, four. No, no, no. I was in grade five. Was grade that five at or camp six. Or something? No, it was at school. Okay. And that's like cringeworthy in the sense of like I still am like, I'm a bad, bad person. Right. However, I wouldn't do that now. So it's kind of having to separate like that was me when I was a kid. This is me now. I made that mistake. I learned from it. I will never do that again. Right. The symbol of like, I love bullying and teasing people, but like knowing you take it too far. Yes. So I, when I tell that story, like right now, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm a horrible, horrible, horrible person. But at the same time, I will tell it because it's important to share your regrets and it's important to chew that fucking gum. Real loud into the microphone. You want me to? No. Okay. Um, I meant stop. Um, I think that it's like, I, I have to separate myself to an extent. There's, I'm not saying get over your shit because like there's so much st- much stuff that impacts us as who we are. But I'm saying like, when you tell that story, when I tell that story, and you're like, oh my god, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Are you like, oh, you're a horrible person? Am I judging yeah. you for what you did? Yeah. No. No. Because? Because you're my daughter and I love you and... and. <laughs> well, but also because it was in the past, right? 
if I was still that person and I was like, ha ha ha, it was so funny. Right. But like every cringeworthy moment, everything that you regret has been addressed and you can see. So like you're a better person because you can see that that was a bad thing that you did. Right. However, I don't think it is any benefit to anyone unless you like raped somebody or like like something so horrible yeah, changed yeah. someone's life. Right. You didn't you didn't affect anybody's life. You right. know, I probably affected that girl's life and I feel so fucking bad about it. Um hopefully I didn't because like we all got bullied as kids. I got bullied. But your stories are like only impacting you mm-hmm. more so the drunken stories. So they're actually like safer to say because it's just something stupid you did. Right, right. It's not like you hurt anybody. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So sharing them is just sharing your humility, but being able to laugh at it. I'm not laughing at that as you can see, but like everything else that I did that was like a dumb, dumb move. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as like finding your gum under on the floor. You're still going to laugh at yourself because you did that and it's stupid, but it's funny. Move on. Right. Not move on, like get over it. But you tell me your like s- stupid decision stories you do. It's like just as everybody has them, right? So yeah. like, don't judge yourself that much for it. So that's why I'm like, it's so easy to say, don't judge yourself. Just just let it marinate. You don't have to like marinate. Yeah, okay. Let, take that in. It's been marinating for a long time. Right, but do you feel a little bit? How do you feel now that you've told me a couple of those stories and people? Pardon me? How do you feel now that you've shared like the bottle stories? They're both bottle stories. Um, I feel okay because I didn't really get into names and places and things. You know, it was just, I just gave you the event. It wasn't. Great. Yeah. But it feels like a little bit better, right? Does it? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Well, let's keep going, man. I'm on a roll here. Okay, but I have to pee. I I do too. Let's stop for a minute. Do you have a bottle? <laughs> <laughs> I need a bottle. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be real. That was a little exhausting. I'm going to be honest. That was like serious manipulation tactful moves were pulled to get my dad to tell his fucking stories. Like I actually just shared every embarrassing thing about myself. Like the David Spade thing makes me barf in my mouth when I think about it. It just makes me feel horrible. And I did everything I could to get my dad to share his cringeworthy moments. To me, they're not even cringeworthy moments. They're just like, stories from the road that's how i see it but he won that episode i'm gonna say because he came out on top with he drank his own piss so what i come out being like well now you guys know way more about me than you do my dad and that was not the goal of the podcast it was to learn about him but that's kind of that's how i have to get stuff out of him i find is like i really have to maneuver conversations and I'm going to be honest there actually were a lot more uh, times that he would go to say the story and then he stopped but it was annoying it got really annoying and I didn't want you guys to go through that with me even though I do like when you feel my pain and you have to go through it but this time I didn't want you to so just know that 
that wasn't even half of it with him trying to deflect and get out of sharing his stories. But if you want to hear the uncut episode, I will put that on patreon.com slash Nikki Bond. And it's not up yet, but it will be up. It's yeah. All right. Anyways, you know what the funny thing is though? We have so much in common and it's wild. Like the fact that he stole stuff from a fridge, like I already mentioned this, but these are important stories. And I know it was hard for him to talk about. And I've already said this in the episode, but if there's parents listening, like I came out of that conversation really appreciating him, but also myself. And it's like this really, okay, wait, I don't appreciate myself. I still hate myself, but it's just this really weird feeling of, I understand what I am made of. And when I didn't know him and I, you know, I'm learning about him, I find it quite fascinating to understand the parts of me that I didn't know were him. And I thought it was just me. And it's funny because my boyfriend living with us is like, now I have two Bobbies. Like he sees it. And, you know, I am grateful for him doing this with me. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that won't ever meet that parent and won't know that side of themselves. And I think that if you are in the parent shoes and are listening to this, like by you even sharing stories or your life experiences, it can really affect your bastard child. It really can. Like I feel, I don't know. I just feel, I don't feel special or anything, but I just had no idea. And it's very eye-opening. I also want to address that you guys definitely have a better idea of the dynamic of our relationship. I hope like the fact that I said I got fingered and he wasn't phased by it could be unsettling for sure. But I think you get what's going on now. It really just doesn't phase him because he wasn't there since day one. Our relationship isn't something where he feels protective of me. And he is more like he, he was like a dating mentor in a weird fucked up way. Like I would go, I went to Florida one time, one time and we really had nothing to talk about. We didn't know each other. So I was like, okay, well here's my guy issues. And he gave very sound advice. It was quite impressive. I did almost make it through that whole episode without being his parent though almost until the end when I comforted him and basically gave him therapy and advice and all sorts of wisdom about why he shouldn't be so regretful about all of his cringeworthy moments. Like, fuck me. What? I, I didn't need to do that. Meanwhile, I'm telling him about the worst things I did and he's going, oh God, that is bad. And I come out feeling worse and he comes out still feeling the same. I just wasted a lot of energy. So if you guys have any advice for us, I need it at this point in time. I need it. Or if you have questions, don't forget to email us at wodadpodcast at gmail.com or even better, please rate and review the podcast. You can write your question or advice in the comment. And also don't forget patreon.com slash Nikki Bond. You can get all the uh, other juicy shit that's not on the podcast. The embarrassing stuff. You know what? I, I sell it by saying the embarrassing stuff. And then it turns out this whole episode was 
all the embarrassing stuff for me. So I guess that's not really a drive there anymore. Now for the Bobby bit. Okay. I don't really need to set this up too much, but I came home and once again, Matt and my dad were watching TV and we got in our first little confrontation. (laughs) I'd actually, you know what? We got in our first confrontation and I would like to know what you guys think. So definitely write a review of who's in the wrong. And if you say me, I'll fucking kill you. No, I'm just joking. I'm open to the criticism, but like if I'm in a good mood, because otherwise I'll probably cry. Dad, come here. Yes. What did you say about, wait, talk? Talk. Talk again. Talk again. Okay. What did you say about me shutting off the TV show? So my dad was watching Better Call Saul, like season, what, seven? Four. Okay. Middle of an episode. And I was like, how about we watch a movie? I just got home. Matt was also watching it. Okay. We We just watched the last three episodes to catch up to season four. Oh. And it was the first episode of season four. Yeah. And then I was like, In the middle. Okay. And I was like, hey, in the middle. So I came in the middle and I was like, oh, maybe can we watch something that we can do all together and watch a movie all together? Mm -hmm. And then you said, yeah, sure. And then he mouthed (laughs) selfish to me. Now, listen. This That's is a up for really, debate. You don't know how to. You don't know how to mouth read. Oh, what did you? What did you say? I didn't say anything. Oh, you didn't mouth selfish. No. Oh, what, what, what was your upper lip dry or something, and you were just moving it over your teeth? No, I was. I was doing anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Such a liar. I was just thinking, God, I need a new cell phone. Oh, <laughs> you're saying cell phone. Cell phone, not selfish. Oh, okay, okay. You're it not was... selfish. So anyways. I, mean, I, 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 I never would think, you know, I mean, a selfish person would just walk in the middle of a TV <laughs> show and change the channel. That's what a selfish person would do. You wouldn't do that. I didn't do that. I said, hey, guys, do you guys think we can watch a movie? How about watching a movie that we can all watch? Because when you go home to Florida in your retired life, you're going to have so much time to watch Better Call Saul. Not really. Why not? Because I have a shuffleboard tournament to practice practice for. So that in the kitchen, he really had it. He turned it off. He goes, no, it's fine. And then I turned it off and he went, Really? And I was like, you said it was fine. And then in the kitchen, you said, what'd you say? I have no idea. I've got Alzheimer's. I, th- I think Alzheimer's qualifies. Uh, you have to pay attention in the first place in order to technically forget something. Oh. Yeah. So you don't have Alzheimer's. So as long as I don't listen to anybody, 